0: Hey there, welcome to A Walking Alongside Perspectives, a combination of short monopods as well as some conversations with cool folks covering various topics based on what is going on in the world, focusing on the broader theme of perspectives. As Friedrich Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. So let's get into it with this episode. Thanks for being here. So first, I'd like to apologize that I haven't been able to be as consistent in getting these out on a weekly basis, which was my goal. But apparently I just do not have enough hours in my day or days in my week. So I will get them out when I get them out. And hopefully that is okay. So today's episode, we're going to be looking at fear and regret. And if you listen to the first episode of season three, you will recall that I talked about not going on school trips in junior and senior high and regretting those decisions for a variety of reasons. Turns out that the school trip isn't the only thing I didn't do, for reasons that are in hindsight are beyond lame. But as I think about it, perhaps it isn't so much that the reasons were lame, is that they were masking a fear of doing whatever that thing was, or the fear of even asking to do those things. Fear of rejection, disappointment, so many things. Taking a walk down a memory lane paved with regrets, I wonder if I might be able to discern something that might help me make different decisions in the future. If we can't use the gift of hindsight for good, then what is the point of hindsight? Isn't learning from our mistakes supposed to be how we grow and get better and evolve and develop as people? In my case, it's certainly a case of better late than never. So let's start with a reflection of some of the bigger sources of regret. St. Helena Junior High in Calgary. In grades 8 and 9, we had the opportunity to take ski lessons through the school division where they would bus you to and from, then Pascapoo, now Canada Olympic Park, for the last block in a bit of school once or twice a week. But wait for it, I didn't ask to take these ski lessons because the full block that we missed was math, which was my worst subject and in order to both stay on the honour roll and get into math 10, I needed to make sure that I didn't miss any classes. Again, if my 14 year old self knew then what I know now, I would have said, whatever, live a little, go skiing. Interestingly though, in a strange twist of fate, the upside is that after having gone skiing to a real mountain, it was like Louise, I realized very quickly that while the skiing part is pretty okay, the nausea inducing chairlifts and gondolas are huge deterrents to actually being able to have fun. So chalk that one up to a tie between should have done it and regret. I still probably should have done it but I don't really regret it all that much especially as now it's something that Chris and Daphne can do together for some dad kiddo bonding time. Case study number two St. Francis Senior High also Calgary. There were AMA driving lessons I probably should have done I didn't and while I have thought about the why of this I can't really put my finger on it it might have been the classes I would have had to miss It might have been not wanting to ask my parents because they would have felt the pressure to pay and I didn't have a regular part-time job like a lot of kids, even though I babysat and did house and yard care and look after people's pets in the summers. I think it might have been the fear of failing. Not school. I wasn't worried about that really. If I worked hard enough, it was essentially a certainty that I would pass and graduate. But what if I failed learning how to drive in front of other people who knew that I had failed learning how to drive? Ironically, even though I didn't take that course, I did fail my first driver's test, and it led to tears and embarrassment, but I nailed it on the second attempt, so lesson learned? Maybe. Case study number three. University was way less fun than it should have been. Looking back, there are so many events, activities, or even just doing nothing in the company of fun others that I could have been a part of that would have resulted in some pretty awesome memories, I spent way more time worrying about classes, writing out elaborate study schedules, and sheepishly bowing out of things that I really ought to have done because there was an assignment due in two weeks, or midterms coming up in a month. I think back to the people that were in bands, sat on Lister Hall student executive positions, the kids that ran for the senate positions for the university, wrote for the gateway, etc, etc. I must have realized at some point, fortunately that I needed to approach university life slightly differently so when there was an opportunity to go skydiving organized through Lister Hall I signed up and did all the prep for it. It was a couple of hours on a Friday night and the steps to jumping out of an airplane were so drilled into us that I woke up in the middle of the night in the superman position yelling one 1000, two thousand 3 three one thousand which is what you were supposed to do to get ready to open up your parachute or whatever upon exiting the plane. So I was okay this is good I've got this down. The next morning, however, turned out to be all fog and bad weather, so the jump had to be postponed. Sadly, the date they chose was the first weekend of final exams, or the time that one ought to be studying for final exams, so guess who didn't go skydiving? Ring-a-ding-ding! That's right. I didn't go. But here again, there's an ever-so-slight silver lining in that one of the girls on my floor who did go, she ended up somehow getting blown off course and having to come down in a ditch and broke her leg really badly missed exams had to schedule rewrites the whole nine yards. So maybe I dodged a bullet on that one too. But the point is, how many other things did I not do? How many memories did I not make because I thought that my whole future life and success or whatever that was hung in the balance of university grades? And of course, that's all very important. And I'm trying desperately to instill that sense of duty and responsibility in Daphne, which in a gifted neurodivergent kid is no easy feat, let me tell you but as all parents of any kid can likely attest we just want our kids to be well adjusted and adequately functioning 26 year olds and in fairness you learn that by doing things that build responsibility during your hopefully not misspent youth but what is it that makes people decide like my brother for example who existed on a completely different plane than i did in school to live life differently even though now as adults we're very much alike when it comes to work and work ethic But he had fun in junior high. I mean, as much fun as you can have in junior high, I think. And high school. He played football, even though he was just wee compared to some of the people on the team. He got crushed. But he did it, and he has those memories and likely scars to prove it. He did the class trip in high school, and I'm pretty sure he did the driving lessons. So how do two people who share the same parents and upbringing end up going through life on two such vastly different trajectories? While he may have some regrets, I don't think it's that he wished he had done fewer fun things over the course of his life. He literally picked up and moved to a different country to learn the language and to find a job in his field, to be with the love of his life, and he succeeded. So those previous life choices did not, as my 14-year-old self lamented, end up impeding his ability to be quote-unquote successful, whatever that means these days. Why is it then that some people are simply better at being spontaneous and going with the flow and others are so concerned about weighing the pros and cons or considering any possible or potential consequences that all the fun basically gets sucked out of everything? Is it overthinking? I don't know. How many of you listening regret some big choices that you made or didn't make? And how did it all work out? If I were to go out on a limb, I'd wager that it all probably ended up okay even if some of those what-ifs still haunt you. Regret is something that you're supposed to learn from. It's that teachable moment that makes you hopefully make a different decision the next time. I guess the question is, what if there is no next time? Not in a morbid, like your life is over next time, but what if that particular opportunity just never again happens to present itself? How many things are literally once-in-a-lifetime moments that have been lost to overthinking or fear? Fear of failure, fear of judgment. I like Brene Brown. And if you follow her or have listened to anything by her, you will know she's all about vulnerability, but with boundaries, not oversharing, broadcasting emotions, Facebook vulnerability, that kind of thing. But the kind of vulnerability that lets others see your real self, if only for a moment. How much of what people regret is related to not wanting to let our real selves be seen, even for that moment? How much is maybe rationalization that whatever we might be missing might not really be that great so it's not that big of a loss. Well I would argue that sometimes we don't know that until after the fact and in waiting until after the fact to find out it actually might be a bigger deal than we thought if that sort of circular reasoning makes any sense. Case study number four. When we were in Paris with some friends, when Daphne was just over two, they said we should go to the Louvre on Tuesday night, I think it was, because it was a really good deal. It's much less busy, and it's a super fun way to experience the museum. I didn't go, citing the fact that I had to make sure that just over two-year-old Daphne stayed on their sleep schedule. But let's be real. Daphne's sleep schedule at the time, and truly also today, consists of us desperately trying to get them to sleep at all, ever. And at the time, it was 890 or so nights of sleep training, that one night at the Louvre was not going to make one iota of difference. It was an excuse, and I knew it. And even though I generally hate museums because they don't make any sense to me and how they're laid out, there's too much backtracking and there's no logical flow, it was the Louvre for Pete's sake. How does one decide to not go to the Louvre while you are in Paris? I'm really hoping that no one else has made that particular mistake, honestly. Honestly. And while I think that I have gotten better at being more spontaneous and just going with things more and ending up happy that I made that decision, especially as it relates to work, because risk-taking is all about how I operate there. In my personal life, though, I still very much lean towards the erring on the side of caution philosophy. There's still too many times that I make the decision that I will likely later regret. Take, for example, our recent trip to Galliano, case study number five. We heard that there was this super cool phenomenon happening with bioluminescent algae that was a not-to-be-missed thing. The issue is that for bioluminescence to work, it has to be dark. Duh! But in the summer, dark is later than I like to be out doing things. I still don't understand, for example, why dancing in clubs don't get fully going until after 10 p.m. I literally want to be showered in my jammies and reading in bed by then, but whatever. So it was later than i would have liked it had been hot that day and all i really wanted to do was have a shower maybe read a little and check out the stars because it was practically a dark sky preserve guess who went to see the bioluminescence and guess who stayed at the airbnb chris and daphne weren't even gone very long so clearly i could have gone and still had a shower and read and looked at the stars when they came in and told me about it it was like someone had dumped a bucket of ice water on my head Daphne was so excited and deservedly proud that they had not only gone to check it out but had done a presto change-o into their swimsuit in the car and literally jumped off a dock which was at least 10 feet above the water into the inky darkness of the water that was super cold not once but twice. Chris of course was able to watch the whole thing and as they both described the twinkling greenish lights that created a trail through the water as you came into contact with the algae and the way it dripped like a sparkly green veil off your fingers and feet as you got out of the water, I was literally kicking myself that I had missed it. So yes, while I did see the most amazing stars that night, not seeing my kiddo jump kamikaze style into the black unknown and witness this bioluminescent phenomenon was a low point. Why didn't I go? I wish I had the answer. In my defense, I hadn't felt great that day. But that's lame. Hearing Chris and Daphne describe the experience made me immediately regret that decision, and I made a promise to myself then and there that I would do better in the future when it came to making choices that really, for most people, should be a no-brainer. My therapist had quoted something that I feel has a much wider applicability than just knowing when it's a good time to keep your mouth shut and when to say what's on your mind. The quote is by Viktor Frankl, and it goes like this. In between stimulus and response is space, and in that space is our freedom, our freedom to choose our response. Obviously, I need to reread Man's Search for Meaning because I don't think I got out of it quite what I could have when we had to read it in grade 11 or 12. But I think that is the essence of so much of what determines whether we are going to be satisfied and content or feel regret. What decision you decide to make in that space between stimulus and response. Maybe it's simply regret that you said something you really shouldn't have, or regret that you didn't think more carefully about the consequences, or the awareness that that this is a not to be missed opportunity to just stop overthinking it and go for it. Fortunately there was a happy ending to this tale. Our last day on Galliano there was a power outage and it was raining and a velvety blackness had settled over the island. We thought that this would be a great opportunity to check out the bioluminescence and we figured there wouldn't be too many people out on the dock and we were right. It was just the three of us. As we walked towards the dock and Daphne re-regaled us with their tale of jumping into the water, I was excited and grateful to be able to get a do-over. The moment I swished my hand through the water and saw the sparkles and the greenish, ethereal glow, I felt a satisfaction that seemed slightly out of proportion to the experience, as cool as it was. I was experiencing something amazing in real time with my wonderful, wacky family, and there was only joy. And I'm happy to say that what there was not was regret. Lesson learned, definitely. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a topic or even better, a perspective to share, I would love to hear them and share them, ideally in a conversation with you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and throw a comment my way or share with friends. For better or for worse, we're all in this together. We have exactly one world to share, so let's make it the best one it can be. Until next time, take good care. Ciao for now.